Hello and welcome to the Avocado Social Club, a podcast where we talk about important things affecting young people and that we find ourselves talking about, from politics to popular culture. My name is Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. My name is Fraser and I'm from London. So this episode, because it's been a while since we recorded, yeah. we're going to do it. It's not that different, it's just a little bit different. It's probably going to be a, a lot more catching up than the topic, but we also do have some good notes on the topic, so do stick around. <laughs> um, starting with TV and film. We've done a bit of a different format. Yeah, because we've watched a lot of things, new things that have been coming out, and then also quite a few older things that we've gone back to as well. So we wanted to split it out by, I don't know, moods or genres a little bit. The idea of this section of the podcast is not to just talk about ourselves, but to give people recommendations. And we found that this might be a better way to do it is by, if you're in this mood, you can watch this. I think that's kind of what we were thinking. So we, we the first bit we wanted to talk about was things that we found either funny or uplifting. Mm-hmm. Or both. Or both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually my top recommendation would be the film On the Rocks, which is a Sofia Coppola film yeah. that's on Apple TV. And you might be able to watch it elsewhere as well. Uh, it's got Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Yeah, it's a comedy slash drama People are comparing it a lot to Lost in Translation. because I think it's just because Bill Murray is in it. Yeah. Because it's not the same mood. No. Really. Uh, yeah, maybe not. But it's, yeah. it is very funny. It has some, some great moments. So it's about a dad and a daughter. And the dad becomes convinced that the daughter's husband is cheating on her. So mm. they do a bit of a stakeout. And mm. like, try and follow him to find out whether he's cheating on her or not. And... It, it it just gives her some funny situations yeah. but are very heartfelt funny it's not yeah. like slapstick at all no it's good then one that we watched more recently and it's a christmas film is happiest season which was directed by clea duval based on her own coming out story it's a queer christmas rom-com is how it's been described it's got kristen stewart in it and mackenzie davis yeah i think it's pretty good and it's sort of, it's Christmassy in the music and mo- when a lot of it takes place, but it's not cheesy. I wouldn't say, like, a lot of the times we were like, this is meant to be called Happiest Season, because a lot of points were a bit sad. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we did find it funny. Yeah. And so it's about a girl, who, well, a woman, who is bringing her girlfriend home to her parents for Christmas, but on the way there tells her girlfriend that her parents don't actually know she's gay so they have to hide it and she has to add like her friend who came home for christmas and again comedy ensues <laughs> <laughs> cool and we watched one other sort of full-length film in this section which is taylor swift's folklore session yeah on disney plus it's more of a documentary I documentary yeah and basically she plays the album that she released this year folklore with the two main writers and talks through right, each producer. song on that. So if you're into Taylor Swift, it's good and all the songs are really good and it's all filmed quite nicely as well. Yeah, I think if you like if you liked folklore or interested in a lot of the songs, it's quite it's quite good. I think it's it's kind of Taylor Swift's first non autobiographical album almost. So she talks a lot about the stories that inspired the songs and I love the album Mm. so I found it very interesting and Mm. I liked hearing the songs played live so 
we just had it on the background quite a lot and yeah. enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. then also in Funny and Uplifting. What are two series? Two series. So one, we're a little bit late to the party, which is <laughs> Emily in Paris. Yeah, I mean, we watched it when I watched it when it came out. Yeah. And you kind of watched it by being Proxy. here. Yeah, and that one, the hype was kind of there in October or yeah. a little while ago. And now it's kind of died down, but the hype was a strange hype because people are very conflicted about it because it's basically, it's not very good, but the people who start watching it, well, most people who start watching it can't seem to stop watching it. I think it's good. I think it is a good show. Like, it's funny. It is funny. And silly. It's very silly. Yeah, I think if you expect to see something serious... You won't find it there. It's yeah. very silly. It's very cliche. It's like it's got a lot of French people cliches. Uh, Paris cliches. Paris pretty cliches. places. But pretty it's also outfits. got it's also got a lot of French actors in it. So it's not yeah. like they just cast a bunch of Americans to do a French accent. No, no, no. Um, it's got an actor that we actually like from another show called Call My Agent, um, mm. which is a French show. So, yeah, we watched that. You can tear through that. On Netflix. Call, call My mm. Agent or Emily no, in Paris. Emily oh. in Paris because it's sh- short Yeah, episodes. I think people watch it in like a day. Um, and yeah, just be prepared for cliches. And if you're prepared for that, it's fine. <laughs> and we've also been watching one that we are very late to the party with. Uh, but if you feel like watching something uplifting, Grand Designs, it's probably... Grand Design. So reality TV show. Yeah. Effectively. Um, been going for 20 plus years where people, tried and tested <laughs> yeah people take on ambitious building projects yeah a lot of the time the, the well the episodes have exactly the same structure where yeah, it's kind much. of one is most of the time it's a couple one is kind of project managing it and it always looks like they're not going to make it and it's kind of um i don't know the episodes are are they're just so good to watch yeah it's a bit of a british institution yeah and if you're in the uk you can watch it on all four yeah and, and you just it, go back and if watch you like design or architecture or anything like that it's yeah. probably quite interesting to watch we've learned a lot about building your own home <laughs> <laughs> not happening in the near future yeah. but <laughs> what we learned is don't build your own yeah, home yeah <laughs> not not unless you have a lot of money and yeah. time yeah and skills yeah that's the main message from from what we've seen yeah, so we're moving on to the next section of TV and film, which is political drama, because it's a bit of a weird uh, genre to put in, but we watched a lot of political drama, so we're going to go for it. Yeah, I think the top recommendation is an obvious one, which is The Crown. Series yeah. 4 came out fairly recently. We've managed to watch all of that. Yeah. At the point now with The Crown where you can go back and watch the previous series and not really remember I think we might do that, that next well, year. So we might do that at some point. Yeah, because we, as much as we enjoy the current cast, we I think we both miss uh, Matt Smith and Claire Foy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I we enjoyed season four a lot, and you can probably find a million podcasts talking about season four of The Crown. It's the entrance of Margaret Thatcher and Diana, so it's Britain in the eighties. So it's quite a big decade, I think, for the for the UK. So it's very interesting to watch it dramatized through the eyes of the royals. Yeah. Definitely. That is it's good. Yeah. <laughs> then we also in TV, we watched the BBC show mini series called Roadkill with Hugh Laurie. That was quite good if you're into sort of British political. It's very dramas. much a BBC political drama. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's all right. everything you would expect from Not that. Not bad. 
And then we watched two films, it's both actually similar sort of formula in some ways, yeah. um, although quite different. One was Dark Waters, which is a, what would the, how would you describe it? It's about kind of a corporate scandal, environmental cover. Yeah, I mean, a lot basically. of people probably watched it last year because it was like one of the best if you watched oh was the film with the lawyer (laughs) if you watched Aaron Brockovich it's quite similar to that the last film in this category is Bombshell which is I think it would actually recommend to more people than Dark Waters but is kind of a similar type of premise yeah I guess uh, political drama why do you think you'd recommend this one more is it more palatable do you think maybe I think it just has more humour in it. Yeah, so it tells true. the story of uh, Roger Ailes being sued. sued and his downfall at Fox News in the US. Yeah. So it kind of goes behind the scenes a little bit of what it what Fox News is maybe or was recently like to mm. work at in uh, in the US. Yeah, and it's got very, very famous actors in it. It's got um, Nicole Kidman... And Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, Andrew Lisseron, and John Lithgow, and just yeah. very, very big names. So I think also because we just watched the morning show, it was a good add on to that. Yes, because it's kind of similar environment. Basically, yeah. this takes place in actually a similar scandal and story in some ways. The morning show probably show. based a lot on this kind True. of thing. Well, yeah, and probably on this event. Yeah. As well. <laughs> and finally, on TV and film, it's been a lot. But we we just have like an other drama section with one that is very obvious, which is The Queen's Gambit, Netflix's most watched show to date. Mm. It's about a girl, a little girl who is orphaned and goes to an orphanage in America and learns how to play chess with the janitor and basically becomes like an incredible chess player and it kind of follows her life and... It's based on a book, and apparently the book's been been they've attempted to adapt it many many mm. times, and it just didn't work as a feature film, and no one had quite thought to do it as a series until now. Okay, and it actually works as a series because a lot of the point of it is the internal struggles of Beth, who is the main character, and if you do it as a film, you can't dive into it as much. So. Basically, it's very good. You've probably heard everyone tell you it's very good. It's amazing. It's got Anya Taylor Joy in it, who is a joy to watch. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I I love that. I really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend that. Cool, and yeah, we also watched one other film of note, which is First Man. Yeah, so that came out last year as well. I think it's yeah, it's, it's or two years year ago. Year or two old that one. It's uh, Damien Chazelle directed it. It's mm. got Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Is the the first man? The first man. He no plays. Spoilers. <laughs> he, and uh, <laughs> he plays Neil Armstrong. Yeah, exactly. So it's about the build up to the moon landing, effectively yeah. from the astronaut's perspective. Specifically, he, Neil Armstrong's perspective, but really takes in what the human input into being one of the astronauts. Yeah, that so went it's, to space it's was. really nothing like a film at Apollo 13 or anything mm. like that. It focuses a lot more on a personal internal story. Yeah. And Claire Foy plays his wife as well, so you've got two two good actors. And then also going to recommend some books. You've read a lot of books since we last recorded. 
Yeah. So there's a lot to recommend. I actually might uh, cut out some from my notes because <laughs> there's there's a few. You can always follow me on Goodreads if you want to see what I read <laughs> or on Instagram. Um, I read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks for a business book club. And I thought I, when I was reading it, I couldn't really tell how it was going to help me. And then it, when I talked it through with, with you, Phrase, I I was like, oh, this is actually quite helpful. So it's a, basically humans apparently have this tendency to self-sabotage quite a lot, which is a very talked about topic at the moment. And this book is about how to beat that self-sabotage. That is basically okay. the way to put it. He calls it different things, but that is what it's about. I also read uh, one that I've been meaning to read for a long time. It's called Spring by Ali Smith. Ali Smith has this has a, a series of books that's four books and it's spring, winter, autumn, summer. And I thought you were meant to start with spring. You're meant to start with autumn. But <laughs> I read okay. spring and they're both they're all standalone stories, so it's fine. Uh and it's very political in an unassuming way. So it is not really preaching anything. It's more the storyline is incredibly political, particularly to the UK, but I think it applies to everywhere. And it, it talks about things that have happened within the last two years uh, in, in politics around the world. And it's very, it's very interesting. Alice Smith is a really good writer. So I, I enjoyed that and I can't wait to read the other three. I also read something a little bit easier and more... It's not light-hearted, but easier to read, which is Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. And Ghosts is her first novel. And it's about a woman who, whose father is... She's kind of losing him to dementia. And she also has all these things going on with her dating life, which I won't spoil. But she meets this wonderful guy. And it's kind of her story through that. And it's, mm. it's got so many well-observed bits which is a very dolly origin thing to do and a lot of things that you read and go like oh yeah this happened to my friend or that's happened to mm. me or I can completely see why that will happen like, so it's got a lot of aha moments in it I think <laughs> <laughs> and finally I read a very short it's not even a novella it's an essay really in book form called Whites on Race and Other Falsehoods by Otega Uwakba. Otega Uwakba has written a book before called Little Black Book which I read back when it came out. It's for women entering business for themselves and it's really good. But this one is about race and the way that white people specifically treat race. And I found it very, very interesting to read. It's very short. It's like 60 pages in a in a kind of short, small book. So, yeah. Mm. Those are the books I read. <laughs> um, Productive and finally, other articles and podcasts. You've been listening to the accompanying Crown, the Crown podcast to go with the after list after watching the show. Yeah, I wish I'd found out about the Crown podcast while I was watching the show because that's how you're meant to listen to it. Okay. But I'm now listening to it after, which is fine. And it's one episode of a podcast per episode okay. of the show, and they talk about the episode. And they'll they'll they will delve into it is what's the name of the host edith bowman yeah she hosts it yeah and the guests are like the writer the creator of the show mm. the uh the actor it. Yeah. so it talk it really delves into particular scenes but also why the choice to tell the story that way 
was why the writer added some stuff in or mm. removed some stuff or didn't quite delve into certain events things like that he kind of goes into it and it's very like the chernobyl podcast if anyone listened to that mm. while that show came out where you just feel like you learn so much more yeah it's a good accompanying thing to yeah. listen to and also if you're into your writing and filmmaking probably yeah. as well yeah I was just a fan of the show. And also, yeah, I was listening to it with you a little bit. And it brings in all the historical context. And so if you want more about the history of it as well, you yeah. probably get something something out of it. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's quite good to listen to. I also ordered, well, pre-ordered a magazine called Postscript Magazine. And it's a big, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be this big. It's like a newspaper, basically. But it's a cultural magazine with lots of essays, short stories, photography, sort of art. And it focuses a lot on black art history. Enjoying reading that at the moment. Yeah. And finally, <laughs> I read, I think a lot of people have probably read this, but I read Meghan Markle's article for the New York Times called The Losses We Share, where she talk, she does talk about her miscarriage, but she also talks about a lot of different uh, things that have happened this year mm. and just kind of the way that even though we all feel incredibly divided politically and and not politically as well I think COVID has done a lot of division in whether you follow the rules or you don't follow the rules or you mm. and she kind of just kind of brings that together and, and talks about the kind of collective trauma and the collective loss that everyone's going through interesting so yeah, it's yeah. very it's quite it's not very short, but it's quite short. So <laughs> she's definitely had a very hard last year. year. Yeah. So I will link that cool. <laughs> on the on the episode notes. Great. So for today's topic, we wanted to talk a bit more about about climate change, which is something we've talked about before. Or we've talked about various environmental things on the the show before, but specifically this time about the Paris Agreement, what's happening, what's happened and what might happen in the future to do with climate change. And partly because of things, obviously, what's happened in the last month in the US with the election, but then also just thinking about the end of the year and what might happen next year. Yeah, so... The US, and we'll delve into this a little bit more later, but with the US pulling out of the Paris Agreement, there were a lot of people very worried. And Joe Biden's, he says the day he goes back in office, back? The day he goes into office, <laughs> um, he is going to rejoin. So we'll talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, so what is the agreement for those of you who didn't know it was drafted in 2015 came into force in 2016 when over 55 countries or parties to the convention had signed it and that account once it accounted for basically over 55 percent of total greenhouse gas emissions which Mm -hmm. is what a lot of it's focused on it now has 189 signatories so it's pretty it's basically the largest comprehensive agreed climate agreement that's existed um, with the goal of avoiding long-term temperature rises um, above one and a half degrees celsius i think is what it's looking to avoid the increase being more than that 
Um, and partly, the, and so that is above pre-industrial levels. So to effectively try to, um, yeah, make sure that basically things don't go way beyond before we started emitting lots of greenhouse gases. Yeah. And it's structured in such a way that basically each country is responsible for their own mechanisms to achieve their targets and setting their own targets and contributions to the agreement. Um, There's not really any mechanism to force a country to set a target by a specific date, but it should be more ambitious than anything that's been done before, basically. Um, And so that's that's why, why I guess, what we're anticipating is that each country is going to start making more and more radical announcements. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe something we'll mention in 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 a minute, but... Basically, I'm kind of curious, we're all, the world's going to change and not just from a sort of climate change perspective, but from a way that life happens and the way that we move around, the way that we live, whether we work is going to have to change in a lot of ways in order to hit hit these targets. Yeah. Um, and the next time that they have these sort of, um, I can't remember the exact term, but basically times when you, you check in. Um, and the next one is in 2023, where they'll sort of check the progress of how it's going. But mm. that's going to keep happening. Yeah, which will be an interesting one to to look at. Um, the first thing that I wanted to touch on was do international agreements actually help? Because there's been a lot of international agreements done by to help climate change and to mm. reverse the long-term effects of climate change. And I just wanted to look into whether international agreements have actually done things, whether people do what, mm. what they're meant to do, etc. <laughs> yeah. So the first one that I looked at was the Montreal Protocol, which was one of the first ones to be done. Yeah, it was like 1989. Yeah. And that was something. in order to recover the ozone layer, which had holes in it. Yes. And that agreement was basically a huge success, and we have, we are, we are already seeing the effects of that very widespread, and the ozone layer is is healing. Yeah, and it sort of I guess shows that humans can impact the environment in a major way mm-hmm. when big agreements are made internationally. Yeah, so that the, the Montreal Agreement, the Montreal Protocol was not easy for countries to follow but it had very clear guidelines in it was a specific material that was deteriorating the ozone layer and the guidelines were for countries to stop producing products with that yeah, material yeah uh so that was a target that was that started happening and we mm. visibly saw the ozone layer begin to reintegrate so yeah. that was a, a a success of an agreement i would yeah. say but it also had very clear guidelines so that could be to do with it. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one, which is kind of the predecessor to the Paris Agreement, is yeah. the Kyoto Protocol. So the Kyoto Protocol is a greenhouse emissions reduction protocol. And the US and Canada basically aren't a part of it. So the US did sign, but they didn't re... They, uh, George Bush withdrew yeah. them or something. And basically, yeah, because he was worried that they would lose out to... China and India and other developing economies that were exempt from having to reduce their emissions because basically developing nations didn't have to reduce their emissions. 
So with the US and Canada not being part of it, what is interesting to me about the Kyoto Protocol is that it hasn't really worked. And the reason is that 36 countries in it have significantly reduced their greenhouse emissions. Mm. But with the US and Canada being some of the most, some of the countries that produce the most greenhouse emissions, they actually increased greenhouse emissions and the overall percentage has increased. Yeah. So no matter if you don't have the big players signing, yeah. it kind of doesn't work because if they continue to increase it, no matter how much smaller countries reduce it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't cash out basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also, you know, just thinking back to when the Kyoto Protocol, which was, when was it? It was in the 90s, basically. Mm. It was um, developed. Um, and, and I guess there was sort of, and the world was different in terms of the development of places like China and, and things like that. You know, that is 20 years has gone by now. Yeah. And so the the flexibility of some nations that were then less economically developed were developing to make changes probably wasn't there. And whereas now countries like China and, and places like that can actually move towards using fewer fossil fuels yeah. in the future. And I think the Kyoto Protocol became very... I mean, it's still in place, but it became very complicated for countries because you had you had sort of specific numbers that you had to hit and then there were flexibility targets mm-hmm. that you could move into and ask for and then you had you there were so many little things that you could do as a country to get away with certain things yeah so it became very very complicated basically Mm. and then you got the paris agreement which was kind of to follow up on the kyoto protocol but it is much less complex because it doesn't force countries on specific numbers or amendments or anything it's more like it's the, a commitment to make a change and yeah. then you need to and on the basis that everyone else is going to make a change but you have the me the the freedom to choose your own methods to do it yeah and then you'll review with everyone else how your methods are going for you mm-hmm. and then continue to 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 do it and and be more ambitious with with things going forward yeah and the idea i mean there are some measures like the idea that you you choose your target by specific dates, but each target needs to go beyond previously set targets. So mm. you can't just stay on one uh, wavelength. And so that kind of brings us on to the next thing, which is obviously the US under President Trump saying that they would withdraw from the agreement because of the, the well, basically his America first policy saying that it would cost the American economy, American workers, businesses, taxpayers... Yeah. If they were to to do this, and it you know it it actually was a reversal of the decision under the Obama administration to. Yeah, um, so Obama was very it. adamant about the Paris Agreement, and mm. he he was one of the people that promoted it yeah. the most. So the way that Trump, with the whole America First thing, said that it was unfair. The actual statement said that it was unfair on America. Uh, because why did they have to commit to more than other countries? And basically the reason for that is quite clear. When you look at the carbon emissions by by jurisdiction of, of the people who signed the agreement, China is the highest carbon emission um, mm. producer. So they have to do more 
than other countries. And then secondly is the US. So so the US has to do more than other countries. So it kind of it makes sense that they're under a higher burden because they are some of the highest emission creators. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, that that's but that is why he withdrew because he didn't want to um as Francis said, he didn't want to, want it to be imposed on, on American businesses. This was Trump's probably most high profile action on on climate change, yeah. but he also did reverse several regulations that have been set up by Obama, well by the Obama administration. Mm. Probably because and there's another reason why he probably wanted to withdraw from the Paris Agreement, because he was he's very popular with workers in the coal industry. And the coal industry is one of the industries that will have to change the most. Yeah. And he promised to revitalize the coal industry and he couldn't do that if he had to keep to all of these uh, restrictions to help climate change. So that is probably another reason why he withdrew to kind of stay popular with them, basically, with yeah. that segment of society. Yeah, it was a sort of big part of how he managed to win in 2016 was that he got workers in some areas that were worried about, you know, being left behind and their their heavy energy industries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as as spoken in in the other protocols is it's a necessary thing that kind of has to happen in order to re- revert climate change. So anyway, Joe Biden will sign back on apparently, and hopefully that will put it back on track because again, as we saw with the Kyoto Protocol, if countries like America and this is not this is not necessarily being like americanized if a country as big as america does not sign these agreements they just do not have the same impact yeah exactly exactly and then also i was reading recently about when biden comes into power it will also be a signal to american businesses that they need to take action yeah to avoid being sort of forced to take action if that makes sense like the whole sort of public and business mood will shift potentially if joe biden confirms that they're they're going to join they're going to re- rejoin the Paris and that's something and we'll talk about it a little bit more but that is something that has already been seen in in companies that are based in other countries where they've started pledging because they know that they're going to be forced to anyway so they might yeah. as well plan for it yeah yeah and actually in the uk we're kind of inspired a little bit by some of the announcements that are starting to happen oh weird time because we're still in lockdown mm. slash major restrictions in the uk for coronavirus but there was an announcement this week that the sale of petrol and diesel cars will be banned in the uk from 2030 and that's sort of one of the things that will make potentially a really big difference in the uk and you know transport is obviously one massive area but we could do a whole episode about that specific restriction as well what will that mean um yeah (laughs) but that is something that has been pledged by the by the uk government yeah and also other things that have been happening within of countries within the Paris Agreement is that 140 countries have included a push towards expanding renewable energy as part of their what there's a part of the Paris Agreement called the nationally determined contributions that each country has to have, and 140 of the countries are pushing renewable energy. Um, yeah. As we said, a lot of big companies are pledging emissions reductions. Yeah. We could, again, have a whole podcast about what yeah. that means and whether it's all talk and, and greenwashing and all that. We could we could just do a whole episode on that. But that has been happening also on public public court 
people are expecting that from companies now. Yeah. The mayor, these are just like random examples, but <laughs> the mayor of Paris made a plan for a, like a 15 minute city and it means that residents can meet all their needs within 15 minutes. So it basically means expanding public transport to avoid driving. But it also means a change in the way that people live. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the way that cities work is people live sort of outside they travel in or to different places for the things that they need mm-hmm. and you're quite built around a reliance on needing to travel needing to the center of yeah the city. needing transport and yeah. needing that whereas if you have more kind of local infrastructure around you and you have everything that you need then it, it reduces the environmental impact quite yeah of often. course uh also in china there's a city that has more than tripled its number of electric buses. So that's another transport. Shenzhen. Transport, yeah. And it's now the first city in the world to electrify 100% of its buses, which is interesting. And it's probably something that we're going to move on to uh, close in the future, actually. For sure. So those are just some actions that have been taken through the Paris Agreement. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because obviously it will do something and it's... I feel like a lot of times when you hear about international agreements, you feel like it's not that important. But international agreements have reverted a lot of a lot of damage. Yeah. And it is really what we need to be pushing even more than consumers becoming plastic free or, or whatever, which you probably, you know, should be doing. But you need to push the bigger, bigger things. Yeah, as well. you need the big movements as yeah. well. Cool. So, yeah, I think there's probably some future podcast topics in In some of that as well. And, yeah, as ever, do let us know if there's any topics that you think we should talk about. Yeah. And we'll have a look at. Or if you agree, disagree with anything that we've recommended on the show as well. Yeah, or fact-checking us or whatever you want. (laughs) Fact-checking, yeah. Keep that to yourself. No, do let us know, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And any show recommendations that you have, given what we've watched. So, yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at underscore Natalia Alvin. And I'm at Fraser D. Bell. And the podcast is on us at the Avocado Social Club on Instagram. And you can also email us at the Avocado Social Club at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks I think that's so it. For, Thanks so much yeah. for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.